When I was younger, I used to read um, Prevention Magazine. Some of you may get that. You still see it in the stores, you know. Um, the founder of that, his name was Jerome Rawdale, and he was really the founder of the whole modern um, health food kicks back in, I think, the early 70s. He was the one that began things like organic food and taking vitamins and, and uh, all kinds of different, looking at which foods are harmful and helpful and all that sort of thing. And uh, I had these, all these sinus and other issues, so I began to read this stuff, hoping it would help me. And actually, I got really into whole wheat and bread products, and it, but they all made me sick, so so much for trying that, you know. But the, uh, he comes up because of a story that I heard. I had to check this on the Internet to make sure I had this right because it's such an incredible story, and it is. Everything part of it is, is exactly right. He was uh, Dick Cabot. Um, if any of you have heard this, but it's a marvelous story. Dick Cavett was, I, anybody younger, I'd have to explain who the heck that is. <laughs> he used to have a talk show. I don't know what decade it was, but uh, anyway, he was asked what was his most moving interview of all the ones he did. It was a, he was rather, a, he got into depth with people, so it was a different kind of uh, talk shows than other ones that we've had. And he said, well, it was the one that we never aired, and the, the guest was Jerome Rawdale, the founder of Prevention Magazine. So he had him on there, and at that time, Mr. Rawdale was very successful. His son now runs the business, and uh, he said uh, he was interviewing Mr. Rawdale. Mr. Rawdale had said that he had fallen down some stairs a couple of days earlier, was making a very speedy recovery, which he attributed to a healthy lifestyle, which we all aspire to. That's one of the things many of us are looking at in, in Lent, right, trying to see how we can improve things physically and hopefully spiritually. So anyway, he finished his interview with him, and then Mr. Rodell moved to the seat next door to him. And uh, but before he did that, he said, uh, he said, you know, Mr. Cabot asked him why he got this going. And he said, well, my father died. This is the day I don't know exactly, but he said my father died somewhere in his 40s, like 48, at 48 of heart failure. And so... I, having inherited some of that proclivity, I wanted to do what I could to get healthier, and my health improved so much, I started to start sharing it with others, and that was the foundation of what I do now. It was very interesting. He said, I feel so good I could live to be 100. And he went and sat to the next chair, and somebody else came in, whose name I don't know, and Mr. Rawdale looked like he fell asleep at the chair. And so Dick Kipsey said, well, you're not very interesting to his next guest, you're so the previous guest fell asleep. Uh, and of course, what had happened is uh, Mr. Rodale had died right there on the set, right after saying he was going to live to be 100. That, that's not the best part of the story. Uh, you know, Father George Wolf of Happy Memory down at Queen of Peace told me there's only two days of the year that I can get away with being giving you a depressing sermon, and this is one of them, so I'm going to take advantage of this. He died at 48, the same year as his father died, of heart failure. And I've often thought about that. Um, another thing I once saw was a priest that had been very much into health foods. He was surrounded by it all, dying of cancer, and he said, you know, there's a limit to this. It was, it was a parable. And I think Mr. Rodiel's story is a, is a parable, not that we shouldn't take care of our health at all, but that there's a limit to it. We all have, we have a limited time on earth. Our body is temporary, 
and it will it will deter it will go back to the ground. We all know that. And uh, yeah, it's funny that Ash Wednesday is a day when we put ashes on our heads to remind us of of our mortality. Yet people, on some level, we want to come and share that together. It's it's hard individually, and when somebody we love dies, but there's a lot of wisdom in seeing the truth of the world for once. You know, that's part of what Ash Wednesday is all about. Is what is life really? Is it just uh, working out? You know, uh, one of our a couple years ago, somebody came into the church, and that's uh, a long story, I won't, I won't go into it, but they worked out at the Courthouse Athletic Club and looked just like a poster person, and she came in and said she was dying of cancer and had about three months to live. She looked as healthy as a horse, used to be a, a uh, flight attendant, and uh, she, she, she passed away one week before the Easter vigil, so I brought her into the church on her deathbed. And again, I kept her picture in the sacristy as a reminder to put first things first. So Christ gives us a chance to work on our soul, which is eternal, and we will get an immortal body one day based on how we lived in this one. So the, the fools of this world put all their hope in money, possessions, status, wealth, power, fame, beauty, being handsome, and taking care of their bodies until they drop dead. And this is, this is not what Christ wishes us to do. We, of course... He wants us to treat our body like the temple that it is. It's a very good thing to look at that. But what am I doing for my soul? You know, Christ said to St. Catherine of Siena, if you put my things first, daughter, I'll put your things. I'll, I'll take care of your things. What we often do is say, Lord, let me take care of all my things, and I'll give you the leftovers. I mean, we don't say that, but that's often the effect of it. So this framework that we receive on this first uh, day of Lent and those who go to daily Mass each day, and especially on Sundays, gives us the entire, in three weeks or four weeks, the whole spiritual life each day. If you can't come to Mass each day, you could possibly look up the readings for each day, and you'll get a nice summary of the whole spiritual life. And here we have this framework. Jesus doesn't say, if you give alms, if you pray, or if you fast, but he says, when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast. Each one of those could be... You could give a whole talk on those. But he starts with alms. Alms giving, the church fathers said, is one way to um, atone for our sins. It is an investment. Uh, people today are always interested in investments and that sort of thing. It's a spiritual investment that pays forever. It's like an annuity that never ends. We don't always see the results of our, of our uh, almsgiving, but it is very real. We can't do everything. Uh, but when we give, either to St. Ed's or something else, everything that's done in Christ's name is we have a, we have a share, we're shareholders, we're stockholders, and God will, will thank us and repay us. Others don't need to know what we're doing. Um, just God and the IRS, right? <laughs> um, and they'll tell everyone, sounds like. Um, sorry. Um, when you pray, a hypocrite was an actor. That it was a Greek word uh, which meant to put a mask on, to be one person on the inside and a mask on the other. Jesus can spot a phony a mile away. We can, we can justify anything in this world and perhaps even uh, convince others, but God sees who we really are. And Lent is a time when we too are meant to see who we really are. Uh, there's a, uh, praying 
is different for each individual. Some, of, some people have time to pray for an hour a day. Some have to catch it when they can because they have busy families. This is between you and God. But if I'm not praying, if I'm not speaking to a friend, we're going to lose touch. I moved away from L.A. almost 30 years ago, but I, I made a point of keeping in touch with people I left behind. I'm the one that moved. I, I'm the one that has to make the effort to keep in touch, and I did. And uh, for many, many years, uh, it, it paid off. On the other hand, we've all received the silent treatment from somebody at some point, whether friends or family. Almost all of us have given and received that dubious gift, and people start to drift when we don't talk to them or we forget about them. And Christ, too, if we don't pray, we will begin to lose our relationship with him. So it's a chance to do a reset. Am I praying a little bit? You can read the scripture and just think about it. Well, that's one way to pray. And there are many others. And fasting is, there are many ways to fast. Today we are typically fasting food, but there's a lot of other ways to do that. Perhaps um, speaking ill of others. Uh, fasting our impatience. That's something I always work with. And um, I usually fast complaining and then complain about it, and it lasts about one day. I'm going to try again this year. Some, I'm going to make it one year, but I haven't done it yet. But I always start out. And then, you know, by Sunday, you can tell if something's working. And if it isn't, just change gears. You know, if something isn't working for you, just try something else. We often take something away, put something in. When I was younger, uh, I would fast television. I don't watch very much of it now, so that really wouldn't be a very good fast. But, you know, I worked for the airline. And I had got a new VCR. They were brand new then. This shows how long ago this was. And I worked nights and weekends, so that's the only way I watched TV. And I'd sit there and, and do that. So for Lent, um, I gave up TV. And I made a rule I couldn't tape anything. <laughs> no cheating. But in that, in that fast, I found my vocation. That's when I began to think about life because I didn't have that distraction. A lot of us want the music on. We want to be talking. We want our cell phones and, and uh, computers, none of which existed then. But we had TV. And you, you take all the noise away and you find out who you are. And it's, not a, it's usually not a very pleasant experience. This is why a lot of us keep, we keep so active because we, if we pray alone or if we fast something like some of the media that we watch, we might find out who we really are. You might not like who that is or where we're going. So all of this is just that we might allow the Holy Spirit to give us a reset. Some are called to add things to their lives. You might call it sins of omission that we want to do a little better in reaching out. Some will fast something. Sin is the best thing to fast. Am I, am I tithing enough? Am I, uh, am I praying enough? And Am I fasting something that means something to me or something that needs to go? And so in all these ways, God guides us. We have this wonderful opportunity of Lent, and one is reminded of the fact that one day will be our last Lent, and it could be this one. The one last little story is I was kidding the deacon because he had a dead battery. He, he landed in the parking lot of Easy Orchards. I said, well, at least you could get donuts while you're waiting, you know. So, and he did, but he, anyway, I was kidding about his dead battery, and I guess the Lord didn't like it because I went into my garage and found one in my car. <laughs> I texted him and he said, revenge is sweet or something like that. Um, it, with a Prius, it's rather dicey to get a, a jump and everything. So anyway, I got it all done, but uh, it took about a half a day because I wanted to make sure the battery wasn't a, a problem. But there's nothing like going in the car on a Sunday night. You've all had this. You turn the ignition and there, nothing happens. 
one day we're going to turn the ignition and nothing's going to happen and we're going to be out of this garage and in the world that will last forever. So we're getting prepared for the dead battery that's inevitable, whether we're Mr. Rawdale or ourselves, and we ask God to help us to see what we need to do so that we can be prepared for anything.